Welcome. Welcome to Firefall Talk Radio. I'm Richard Grund. This is where we get back to basics, the red letter basics. Following the example of the Book of Acts Church, listening to what the Lord says, following the guidance of the Holy Spirit. We've been talking about the upper room. That's the core of who we are. We believe the day of Pentecost is ongoing. The fire of the upper room still burns. We're here every Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Eastern Time Live. You can also listen to us archived after the fact download and listen to it at your leisure. Share it with others. We're found on Spreaker.com, which is our main streaming site. We'll probably stay that way. We're also heard on Blog Talk Radio, iHeart Radio, Spotify, and SoundCloud as well. Sound SoundCloud. I don't know why I keep doing that. SoundCloud <laughs> and uh, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast as well, and Podbean. If I didn't mention that, I'm off script here. I'm just going with the flow. This is where we share the Word of God. We don't filter it. We don't water it down. I follow the leading of the Lord as to what to share with you. And I hope that it's making an impact. You are a part of the remnant. I don't preach to the traditional church. They don't want to hear what I have to say. So that's who you are. You're the remnant. If you're here, if the Lord has led you here, then that's who you are. And you need to start acting that way. If you have any questions, go to firefalltalkradio.com, use the contact button, or you can write us directly at the porch, one word, lowercase, at, excuse me, firefalltalkradio.com. If you'd like to support us, and we appreciate each and every one of you that do, the bottom of the homepage for Firefall Talk Radio, there are ways to do that. So welcome to all our various listeners. Now, we are a community of believers all over the world, and we come together on Wednesday night. We also um, have been able to come together once here in Orlando, and maybe once traveling arrangements change, we can get together again, but who knows. But this is where we do it, and we start out with praise reports and prayer requests. If you're not interested in that, just go right to the sound of the shofar and right into the Bible study, but... If you're interested and you want to send in praise reports and prayer requests, we will share them. We only use first names in areas that you're from. We keep a um, proprietary safety, and uh, if you feel led to do that and you want people to pray for you, write us. But we start out first with praise reports. We never go into the presence of the Lord or a Heavenly Father, without praising Him first. So I praise Him, of course, for my salvation. It starts there. Without that, I have nothing and I am nothing. He gave me back my family, my wife, my sons, and now I have daughter-in-laws. We have a grandson, and we've had a lot of furry kids over the years. We have two right now. So I am blessed. I'm in a home that He has blessed us with, sitting in a studio that I can do this with you. So I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for the calling of my life. I'm thankful that he asked me to come work in the family business. I praise him for the provision that he gives us. I know we are struggling. Everybody is, not just us, not just, um, I believe, all small ministries, all boots-on-the-ground ministries are struggling right now. Most of us don't pander. We don't manipulate, and we don't do what a lot of people do. I never will. If you feel led to, to help us, that's great. If not, we're going to be here anyway. But I praise him for provision, protection, for the angelic covering he gives us, for the Psalm 91 covering that we have, for the dreams and the visions of late they have kicked back up again, sharing information, showing me what's coming. I share what I can as he releases me to do so. I'm not one of those people that runs on... Uh, social media in front of a camera every time I think I have a word. I wait for him to confirm his word, and I wait to know when he says, share it. Praise him for his healing virtues. You know, they're still available to us each and every day. 
for the health that we need to have. I praise him for our health. My eyes work, my ears work, maybe not as good as they should, but they work. Back in the gym, doing everything I can to be ready. Praise him for providing divine favor. Always, always, always thank him for his favor. For the continuing revelation of the Spirit, for being a new creation, living in these prophetic times, having the eyes to see and the ears to hear. We start our prayer by praying for the peace of Jerusalem, Psalm 122, verse 6. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. And I'm going to add to that tonight. There are rumors going around that this current administration is seeking to split Jerusalem, as many others have sought before. Every time that has happened, God has gotten their attention. But I'll state this very clearly because I think this administration is more prone to doing it. And I don't have any... um, (laughs) I don't have any illusions that the president or his administration or anybody associated with him would listen to this podcast. But I'm going to state this very clearly. If they touch Jerusalem, if they split Jerusalem, Almighty God will split America. He showed me that in 2008, showed me how he would do it. And I will tell you abundantly clear, I am stating it as loud and as bluntly as I can. If man puts his hands on Jerusalem to split it, woe be unto them and to this nation. So I'm praying for America. I'm praying for God to give us grace and mercy, to give us a reprieve so that we can get the job done. Praying for all the people being victimized all over the world by their leadership, corrupt politicians. It always seems like the global elite since the beginning of time has believed that they have the right to rule our lives and ruin our lives. But we, born again, names written in the Lamb's Book of Life, children of Almighty God, sons and daughters. That's who we are. Pray for the fatherless, the widows, the persecuted and the martyred, the innocents and those that are victims of injustice and the poor in spirit each and every day. For the, I pray against the slaughter of the innocents, both in and out of the womb, both human and animal. Every day I say this, and I, I pray it every day. We have been such bad stewards of the Father's creation, and I repent even for things that I have not done. I stand in the gap. Pray for missing and exploited children, those that are victims of sex trafficking, human trafficking, the women, the young men. Satan is active. He's busy. We live in a fallen world, and sometimes we are subject to that world, but we can still pray. We can intercede. We can push back. Praying for our brothers and sisters around the world being slaughtered and persecuted for their faith. It's coming to America. I don't know how soon, but I'm telling you, we must get ready. We must get prayed up. We must get prepared. For divine wholeness, health, and healing as we get back to our divine design. Here's what I want you to pray each and every day. Pray for your body, your cells in your body, every part of your structure to go back to their divine design. Begin to believe it. Begin to speak it so that you can do all that he needs you to do in these final days before his return. I wish I knew when. I don't. So I prepare each and every day. I pray for protection over each and every one of us, our homes, our families, our pets, our possessions. For inspiration for the fire of the Holy Spirit to rise up inside of us. That's what we're talking about, upper room fire. And for that remnant that I speak to, listen to me. Wake up. Rise up. Answer the call to action to the best of your ability. If you've been blessed, be a blessing. If you know somebody that's been blessed, you tell them to be a blessing. And if you're not bold enough, you tell me who they are and I'll tell them. This is not the time to be timid. This is not the time to be afraid. There are things that need to get done. And unfortunately, it takes financial provisions to do them. 
praying for us to finish this documentary. It weighs on me that it's not getting finished, and I know that it'll happen in his timing, but it's time for SRT to go back to work. It's time for the porch to get out there. Time for us to do what we've been called to do, and for our lost family members. We call them into the kingdom right now. Say their name. As I'm praying, begin to speak out their name. Begin to think about them. Father, we just come to you right now for our brothers, our sisters, our husbands, our wives, our sons, our daughters, our cousins, our family members, our friends, whoever doesn't know you. Send an angel, send a dream, send a vision, send somebody that they'll listen to, and we call them into your kingdom. Names written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Don't have any other prayer requests except for Kim and Fort Mitchell again, an unspoken prayer request. I'm going to ask you to continue to pray for my friend Jane in Los Angeles, one of the very first listeners when the porch started um, privately March 2010 online. We didn't get on Blog Talk till May of 2010. She's been a supporter over the years. She's in a health battle. Known Jane for 21 years. And right now she's in the battle of her life, literally. So if you would intercede for, intercede for Jane in Los Angeles, I know she would appreciate it and I would too. And each and every member of the porch community know that I stand in the gap for you every day. So Father, you are great. You are awesome. You are Abba, your dad. And we're your kids. So we boldly approach the throne of grace and mercy. We come to you. We hunger for you. We long for the day that we can be with you. But until then, we're here, you're there, but your Holy Spirit connects us. Thank you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for caring. Thank you for seeking. Thank you for sending Yeshua, your only begotten Son, to die for us, to pay with his blood our debt, to wipe out the sin and the shame and everything that kept us from you. Lord, I can never put into words what I feel. I'm going to have a hard time right now. But you know, you know how much I love you. And how thankful I am, and I'm sure my brothers and sisters are, for what you did on the cross that day. Thankful that you're alive, and you sit at the right hand of the Father, and you welcome us to sit with you in the heavenly places. Thank you for sending back your Holy Spirit. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Now, Holy Spirit, I acknowledge you as the teacher, as the comforter, as the one who walks beside us. You remind us, and that's what I'm asking you to do tonight, to remind us, to begin to speak to us, to show us, open our eyes, open our hearts, everything that's in us, change us. We cleanse our minds. We, we just, all distractions gone in the name of Yeshua. We want to hear. We want to receive, and we want to take this fire out into the world. In Yeshua's name, amen. Lessons are proprietary information, except where noted the information comes from outside sources. Combination of that information, the matter presented, is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. So as you can see, I'm a little fired up. Started working on this yesterday. Finished working on it today. Praying, reading, listening to the Lord. You know, when we first started the porch back in 2010, for about the whole first year, I taught out of the book of Acts. And periodically I've gone back there, but not like this. I'm not sure why. I believe that something's getting ready to break. Something's getting ready to break open. That many of you that have been waiting for your release are going to get it. And so he's got me here, and we're going to be here for a while. So if you remember... 
I've stated very clearly that the upper room changed everything. Changed it for Israel, changed it for the church, changed it for the world. And we need to get back to basics. Not just the red letter basics, but the Holy Spirit fired up basics. We need to get what they had. Because that upper room gave them passion. Passion for God, passion for the Lord, passion for the church, passion for the lost, passion for the calling, the Great Commission, and passion for His return. I don't hear a whole lot of people that I see talking about His return, preparing for His return. And to do that, we've got to do our job. I mean, He's coming back no matter what. He knows when the time comes that he's going to get off the throne and come back here. We don't bring him back. But we were told to do something, to go into all the world, preach the gospel, make disciples, that the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world, and then the end will come. So this passion brings boldness, and that's what the whole book of Acts shows us. shows us a boldness that they had to do the job, the boldness to spread the gospel. So let's pick it up from Acts chapter 5, starting with verse 12. And if you're new, and if you are welcome, when that shofar sounds, that means your Bible, your app, however you follow along is open. Acts chapter 5, starting again with verse 12. And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. That's what we're based on. Yet none of the rest dared join them, but the people esteemed them highly. They were afraid, but they respected them. They admired them. And believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and and women. This is one of the first times in a historical account of the Jews that they talk about men and women. So that they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on their beds and couches, that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. And I've said it before, I believe the shadow coming off of Peter at that moment was not a shadow from this world because of the infilling, because of the newness, because of how he was walking in the spirit. That shadow was a supernaturally empowered shadow, something we could all have. And a multitude gathered from the, around the surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits and they were all healed. Now remember, historically, what's happened here is Yeshua has been crucified. The disciples have hidden. We have the day of Pentecost. They've been driven out into the open. It's still dangerous for them. We're going to see how dangerous. But they're out there and they're doing it. But the ministry of the Lord, both then and now, and the preaching is accompanied by many miraculous signs and wonders. Convincing works, healing, casting out of demons. You know, John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist Church, I found it very interesting when I studied him. That this was a man that if he had a church service, and there were no signs and wonders, if there were no tongues and interpretations of tongues, if the gifts were not present, he would go back to his room, get on his face before the Lord and want to know what was wrong that the Spirit did not show up and manifest that day. He fully expected, believed, and desired for the manifestation of the Holy Spirit any time the Word was spoken. Why? Signs and wonders follow the Word. The Holy Spirit isn't here to put on a show for us. Signs and wonders follow the word. They confirm the word. But the one thing about the Bible is that he gave them an example to follow, which gives us an example to follow. Why do you think all these stories are in the Bible? Oh, yeah, there is a historicity to it. But they're examples for you to follow, to encourage you, to teach you. 
His whole walk was an example. Matthew 4.24 Then his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them. But after the baptism in the Jordan, when the Spirit fell on him, not only did he manifest it, not only did he give us an example, but he delegated this power from above. He knew that for the disciples and the church that would be to come, were going to need help to do what they were called to do. Matthew 9.35, Then Yeshua went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. If signs and wonders don't follow the word, as in many churches today of the frozen chosen, that's not the biblical example. He set an example for them, and then he turned them loose to learn on-the-job training. Not like the church today, hey, go sit in a pew, don't do anything till I tell you. Go to cemetery, seminary for four years so that we can kill that fire in you. They made mistakes, we all do. I was watching a video that somebody sent me, and it didn't resonate with me, and, and some of the verbiage just didn't sit well. And I told the Lord so, and, and he reminded me, but you spoke like that. You used that terminology when you didn't know better. And he was right. When you're new at this, and he gives you a word, it's going through the filter of your mind and your personality. And it takes maturity and experience not to add to or take away from the word he gives you. Not to fill in the blanks which I did early on and made mistakes. Matthew 10, 1, And when he called his twelve disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. Remember, these are not born-again, spirit-filled believers. These are people that he's delegated his authority to. He's in the wilderness. He's been baptized. He goes into the wilderness. He gets tempted by Hasatan, Satan. And then he returns in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. Matthew four, uh, Luke 4.14 4, Luke 4.14 4, And Yeshua returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. How did he return? In the power of the Spirit. And news of him went out throughout all the surrounding region. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. And then we see he continued this pattern. Part of the problem I see in ministry is you get the flow going, the Spirit shows up, things happen, like with what we do with SRT. When we're on a mission and the Spirit is flowing, I can tell you it's very powerful. And then you go back to your everyday life. You go back to the mundaneness of society. When the sun was setting and all those who had any that were sick with various diseases brought them to him. And he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons also came out of many crying out and saying, You are the Messiah, the Son of God. And he rebuked them, did not allow them to speak. For they knew that he was the Messiah. I hunger for this. I hunger for the ability to be out there doing what I'm called to do. Sometimes I say running and gunning in the spirit. But after everything they'd been through, after everything they'd learned, after everything they'd experienced, when the day of Pentecost came, these were new believers. These apostles were different than they were before that day. Considerably different than anyone else. And that's what we should be. We should be different. And along the way, they would be imprisoned. 
They'd be beaten. They'd be threatened. They'd seen their Lord crucified. But it didn't deter them. It inspired them. They were filled with fire and boldness, what I'm talking about here. Paul says in Ephesians 5.18, Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit, constantly guided by Him. And that phrase, be filled, be filled. Be filled with the Holy Spirit means to be continually filled. It's an it's a a description of a constant flow of the Spirit, the fullness of the Spirit constantly flowing through you, constantly moving, like the Lord said to Nicodemus about the Spirit. You don't know where it's come from. You don't know where it's going. It's always moving. It's active. It's never stagnant. Our Heavenly Father, our Lord, He wants us, our minds, our hearts, our spirits, controlled by the Holy Spirit. And not in such a way that you're a slave, although I choose to be a slave to the king. My point is that if you don't want to do it, the Holy Spirit won't make you. He'll convict you. He'll speak to you. He'll nudge you. But he won't force you. He wants us to choose to let the Holy Spirit have control. For us to walk in the Spirit on behalf of our Heavenly Father. And to hunger to understand the things of God. Remember, we started out with Acts 1.8. This is Yeshua speaking to the disciples after he ascends, before he ascends. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm just, this, this was happening all day as I was sitting in here praying and preparing. He's resurrected. It's time for him to go. They're sitting on the Mount of Olives. And he says to them, important orders. But you will receive power and ability when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses to tell all people about me. Both in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. What he's saying is there's a free flowing movement of this dunamis power to serve him. One of the first things we ever taught about on the porch here was about that dunamis power, that explosive power, that dynamo of the Holy Spirit. The Greek word for dunamis, it means power, but it specifically denotes an inherent ability, a capability, an ability to perform anything. It's power, it's physical, it's moral, and it resides in you. It's power in action. It's not just something we talk about, it's something we do. And in the word, it usually correlates to the miraculous. It's mentioned 118 times in the New Testament. That word power meaning dunamis. It could be the miracle itself, or it could be what causes the miracle. Why? Why? Why did he give us this? Why are we doing this? Peter brings it up in Acts chapter 10 when he's at Cornelius' house and he's preaching to the entire household. And the Spirit has fallen upon them, and they began to speak in tongues. Peter says, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. Remember, he's Jewish. The friends with him are Jewish. These are Romans. These are non-Jews. These are Gentiles. He goes on to say, But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Yeshua, HaMashiach, Jesus, the Messiah, he is Lord of all. 
that word you know which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Where is that? Where is that today? Where is that church? Us, the people, not the buildings. Going about destroying the work of the enemy. Setting people free. To be witnesses throughout the earth, it was going to take supernatural ability. Even if it meant dying for it. This wind of the Spirit, this movement of the Spirit. I don't know about you, I'm stirred up, I can feel it. I wish we were all together and we could begin to act upon it. That was the great thing about the home fellowship. If the Spirit moved, we just stopped. We weren't bound by a schedule. We weren't bound by notes, although I had them. If the Spirit moved, we stopped. We prayed for people. We ministered for people. There were days people had fallen out all over our family room. The Spirit would fall. The Spirit would move. And we would follow His lead. Miraculous signs and wonders. Oh my goodness, once you've seen it, once you've felt it, once you've tasted that, traditional dead religion will never do it again. It was in John chapter 3 when the Lord said to Nicodemus, Why it's so important to be born again. I assure you and most solemnly say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot ever enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. The physical is merely physical. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Don't be surprised that I've told you you must be born again, reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, sanctified. This is that scripture I was referring to. Verse 8. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you don't know where it's coming from and where it's going. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. That's why you can't control the Holy Spirit. You can't invite him into a service or into a meeting and tell him, hey, you've got from uh, 10 to 10.30 to move, and then we have to do announcements. How dare you? How dare you tell the Holy Spirit what he's to do and when he's to do it? Let him have his way. Let him do whatever he wants. We need to be born of the Spirit. We need to be like the Spirit, powerful, moving. And that movement is both for us and against them, against the enemy. Action brings reaction. Meaning, if you do this, what I'm saying to you, what I'm calling you to do, you should expect a reaction from the enemy. Well, we're going to start in Acts chapter 5, and this is where we're going to start to follow things in order. Picking it up at verse 17. The high priest rose up and all those who were with them, which is the sect of the Sadducees. And they were filled with indignation and laid their hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison. But at night an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard that, they entered the temple early in the morning and taught. But the high priest and those with them came and called the council together with all the elders of the children of Israel and sent to the prison to have them brought. Now, look at this. The angel breaks them out. But instead of telling them to run, go back in the temple, keep preaching. 
But when the officers came, did not find them in the prison, they returned and reported, saying, Indeed, we found the prison shut securely, and the guards standing outside before the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now when the high priest, the captain of the temple, and the chief priest heard these things, they wondered what the outcome would be. So one came and told them, saying, Look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple teaching the people. That's boldness. That took some boldness. That's an in-your-face. And the captain went with the officers and brought them without violence, for they feared the people, lest they should be stoned. And when they brought them, they set them before the council. And the high priest asked them, saying, Did we not strictly command you not to teach in this man's name? And look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine, and intend to bring this man, meaning Yeshua's blood on us. And Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Yeshua, whom you murdered by hanging on a tree. Him, God, has exalted to his right hand to be prince and savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses to these things. And so is also the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. Well, when they heard this, they were furious and plotted to kill them. But then one in the council stood up, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, who was the Pharisee of all Pharisees, very famous, teacher of the law, held in respect by all the people, and commanded them to put the apostles outside for a little while. And he said to the men of Israel, Take heed to yourselves what you intend to do regarding these men. For some time ago, Thutis rose up claiming to be somebody, and a number of men, about 400, joined him, and he was slain, and all who obeyed him were scattered and came to nothing. After this man, Judas of Galilee rose up in the days of the census and drew many people after him. He also perished, and all who obeyed him were dispersed. Now I say to you, Keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or if this work is of men, it will come to nothing. But if it is of Hashem, if it is of God, you cannot overthrow it, lest you even be found to fight against God. And they agreed with them. And they called for the apostles and beat them and commanded them that they should not speak in the name of Yeshua, and let them go. Their boldness, they could have left. They did what the angel told them to do, and they took a scourging, a beating. The success of what they were doing, getting people saved, healed, and delivered, created a strong opposition. And one group mentioned in this passage of the Sadducees, very wealthy, very powerful people, that controlled the temple and the temple police force. They were the priestly class in contrast to the laymen who were the Pharisees. They lived in the vicinity of Jerusalem and controlled the entire temple system. Interestingly enough, you can't have one without the other. You can't have Sadducees without Pharisees and Pharisees without Sadducees. And you know what? It's still that way today. Satan did something brilliant. He recreated the Pharisees and the Sadducee system within our church, within us. Mull on that one for a while. So they're arrested and they're told not to preach in the name of Yeshua. They would re- They were preaching that he had been raised from the dead, and the Pharisees don't believe in the resurrection. I mean, the Pharisees do, the Sadducees don't. Sadducees were not into the supernatural, like many of our denominations. No resurrection, no angelic activity. 
which is pretty interesting because in this scenario, it was an angel that broke them out. They didn't want that taught. They didn't want the supernatural taught. There's no resurrection. There's no angels. According to Josephus, these were powerful aristocrats. They were the mediators between Rome and Israel. But they didn't have the favor and the influence that the Pharisees had. In fact, their theological views contrasted with those of the Pharisees. They rejected the oral tradition where the Pharisees taught it. But what's interesting, once they died, they disappeared from history. No mention of them. They left nothing behind. Sadducees reject the sovereignty of God and the concept of final judgment. See what I mean? That's coming back into the church today. Many of these false teachers are are deceiving people. But there's no final judgment. The Pharisees were very much believed in the resurrection and the angelic. And we see that in Acts 23 when they they side with Paul against the Sadducees in their trial, Paul's trial for disturbing the temple. But having said all that, they are unified. They are unified in a single front against Yeshua. Yeshua was a threat to everything they stood for and everything they represented. He tore apart the oral traditions and he affirmed the supernatural world of angels and demons and he taught about a final judgment and a resurrection. Folks, if you're the remnant, you decide right now, are you the remnant? If you are, you're a threat. You're a threat to the church. You're a threat to religion. You're a threat to tradition. But through Yeshua, both the Pharisees and the Sadducees were losing their grip on the people. So they had to attack the apostles. That spirit will always attack what we do. Religion hates the free flow of power that comes from relationship. And after the destruction of the temple in 70 AD, the Sadducees were never heard from again. But what did Peter say in verse 29 of Acts 5? We ought to obey God rather than men. And I know this is hard for some people because they'll quote Paul and say, you know, we're supposed to obey the authorities, but I'm going to take the Lord's example. I'm going to take Peter's example. I'm going to obey God instead of men when the two come in conflict. That, I believe, should be our guiding example. See, obedience is what he seeks. First Samuel fifteen twenty two. Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. External religion and ritual, form and formality are no match for passionate internal obedience. This fire of the Holy Spirit that propelled them out of hiding. They've been hiding for 10 days. 9 a.m. in the morning into a crowded market square. We need that fire. But I'm going to warn you, just as the Lord warned his disciples, there'll be persecution. There will be hostility for that. Luke 21, starting with verse 12. 
But before all these things, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to synagogues and prisons. You will be brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake. But it will turn out for you as an occasion for testimony. Therefore, settle it in your hearts not to meditate beforehand on what you will answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which all your adversaries will not be able to contradict or resist. You will be betrayed even by parents and brothers, relatives and friends. They'll put some of you to death, and you'll be hated by all for my name's sake. Remember what I said. Action brings reaction. Boldness will bring persecution. Not just from the world, not just from the enemy, but from the church. Does that shock you? It shocked me. I remember the first time I experienced that. And I walked into Pastor Shelley's office and he asked me what was wrong. And I just simply said, you know, I get it. I experienced rejection in the world. I never expected to experience it here because of what I do for the Lord. And he just smiled and said, get used to it. I don't think I ever have. I can accept it. I can set it aside. I don't think I've ever gotten used to the persecution and the attacks because of my relationship or what I do for the kingdom. But I'm going to warn you. I'll never lie to you. I'll never deceive you. Persecution is a common experience of God's people. And in the days ahead, I believe those of us that stand up, put our head above the crowds, say the truth in love, speak the word, move in power, We're going to face hostility and opposition. We already face it. I can tell you right now, and I won't mention the names because the Lord will grab my tongue. There are preachers out there. There are well-known people online that say what I do is demonic. It's not of God, not of the Holy Spirit. They are the Pharisees and the Sadducees of the church. But I don't care. I'm not here to please them. I'm not here to please man. I'm here to destroy the work of the enemy. I'm here to set the captives free. I'm here to speak the word, teach the word, make disciples. Matthew 23, verse 24. Therefore, indeed, I send you prophets, wise men, and scribes. Some of them you will kill. This is the Lord speaking to Israel. I believe he's speaking to the church right now. Some of them you will kill and crucify. Some of them you will scourge in your synagogues and persecute from city to city, that on you may come all the righteous blood shed on the earth, from the blood of the righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, son of Barakiah, whom you murdered between the temple and the altar. Assuredly, I say to you, all these things will come upon this generation. This is when he's entering Jerusalem on what we call Palm Sunday. They killed Zechariah between the altar and the holy place, the holy of holies, because he said, what they didn't want to hear. And Paul continues that word. And I'm not trying to get heavy or serious, but if you are going to do what you are called to do, you should know the risk. 1 Thessalonians 2, starting verse 14. For you, brethren, become imitators of the churches of God, which are in Judea, in Messiah, Yeshua. For you also suffered the same things from your own countrymen, just as they did 
from the Judeans who killed both the Lord Yeshua and their own prophets and have persecuted us and they do not please God and are contrary to all men. If he's our example and the book of Acts church is our example then persecution is a part of what we do. Yeshua dealt with persecution. At the end of his earthly life, he endured mocking, beating, a horrendous scourging and a horrible death by crucifixion. And then he warned us, Matthew 24, Luke 21, to expect the same. He was preparing us for what would come, but that the Holy Spirit would encourage us, would help us. He told us that the Spirit would speak to us. How are you going to do that if you don't let the Spirit have his way with you? Remember what Peter said in Cornelius' home. The God of our fathers raised up Yeshua. I mean, what he said to uh, to the Sadducees and the, and the temple court. The God of our fathers raised up Yeshua, whom you murdered by hanging on a tree. Him, God has exalted to his right hand to be prince and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses to these things. Go be a witness in all the world. So also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. Part of your witness is the Holy Spirit. Part of your witness is the fire from the upper room. You must be willing and obedient. This is the upper room boldness I'm talking about. To fulfill the calling. The same boldness that Stephen had. Which caused him to be martyred. The same boldness that Paul got. To go out and preach the Messiah. That when he was Saul, he was killing people. Who preached him. All of the New Testament is an example for us to follow, but specifically the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, which many believe should be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit. I am passionate about this topic. I am protective of this topic. I I do not appreciate nor endorse people that use the gifts as entertainment to rile people up, to manipulate people. I believe in a purity of the word. I believe in a sanctification of the word. Signs and wonders follow the word. The word is about the Lord. The word glorifies the Lord. I am an enemy of religion, of anything that would hinder this free flow of the Spirit. Now, as I sat here today and I worked on this, I knew I was going to trigger in some of you a question. And the question is, why don't I have what Richard's talking about? Why don't I move in the things he's talking about? And I don't have the answer. You must be willing and obedient. Whatever he says to do, you must do it. I've been at this now for 33 years. I've been tested and I will be tested again. I've been put in positions where I learned how much of me was still left and in the way. Some of you are being squeezed and I thought about the fact that some of you are struggling 
with sicknesses, illnesses, disease, things that you go, hey, this isn't right. This shouldn't be this way. Pastor so-and-so, evangelist so-and-so, prophet so-and-so says it shouldn't be this way. But I thought about it. If everybody just got automatically healed, where's the testimony? Where's the witness? Maybe he's teaching you compassion. Maybe he's giving you the ability to speak to somebody that's going to go through what you're going through. Maybe he's bringing revelation knowledge. I don't know. I know we all want the quick fix. We want the quick blessing. We want the miracle. We want everything. We don't want to wait 20 years for a promise to be fulfilled. We don't want the biblical model. We don't want Abraham. We don't want David. We don't want any of the things that those people went through the Lord, the disciples. No, we want it now. We're told, name it and claim it. You can have it if you want it. If you believe it, it's yours. If it's his will. We serve at the behest of the king. And whatever his will is, will be. And we have more to talk about in the book of Acts. And I I don't know why it's so important tonight that you get this. Maybe somebody's listening that hasn't listened before, may not listen again. Maybe this is, I don't, you know, I don't know. I'm not going to presume to know. This fire, this passion, this boldness for somebody or multiple somebodies is vital for what you're going through and what you're about to go through. This fire, this upper room fire that you need to be continually filled with, meaning it's constantly moving, it's constantly burning, and you are working it, you're tending it, you're feeding it, you're asking for it. I'm going to pray right now. If there's something hindering you from having what I'm talking about, both the gifts and the fruit, this passion. And and I really don't understand why the passion for some is difficult. For me, it wasn't difficult at all. I knew knew who I was before. I knew what I'd done. And I knew what he had done for me. I've always been passionate about the Lord. Sometimes to the annoyance of others, especially those in the church, I don't care. The rocks won't outpraise me. No, no, no. Father, I come to you on behalf of your sons and your daughters, and even myself. I want more. I want to see the signs and the wonders happen. I want to see people healed. The lame walk, the blind see, the deaf hear, the dead raised. I've seen almost all the miracles, but I haven't seen anybody raised from the dead. Holy Spirit, we need you to have your way for all that are willing. For all that are willing, if you'll repeat after me, Holy Spirit, have your way with me. Do whatever you need to do to make me useful in the kingdom of God for my heavenly Father. Burn out of me anything that is hindering me from the free flow of the Spirit. Father, I pray with them. I agree with them. I don't want anything hindering me. I don't want this fallen world system hindering me. I want you and all of you. And I want to shake this world one last time before you return. We love you and we thank you. We pray all these things in Yeshua's name. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Give you shalom. I'm Richard Grund. This has been The Porch on Firefall Talk Radio.